0: welcome back to another episode of the king's post podcast presented by the king's herald my name is brendan nunez got chris watkins joining us today of Sacktown sports 1140 kings weekly apparently doing a bunch of stuff during the game pregame, postgame. post-game <laughs> this man does everything what's up chris yeah. how you doing man
1: good man i'm just trying to keep the lights on yeah as you can see it's it's christmas time so uh that pg and e bill goes up and uh you know, I got I got to work all these jobs to keep these damn lights on, bro. Like it's 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 tough out here these days. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just uh, trying to keep busy. I definitely am. So, you know, definitely, definitely not getting tired talking about the Kings for like the past two, three years. I don't, how long have you been doing this podcast for?
0: Uh, let's see. It's been, yeah, about three years, I guess.
1: And, like, all we've talked about is shit basketball for, <laughs> for three
0: years. Dude, the, the other day I typed Tankathon into my browser, and I had to <laughs> type the whole word. It didn't autofill. And I was right. like, what the hell is going on right. here? Like, right. this is – I don't know anybody in the draft outside of Wemby and Scoot. And, like, right. I know names. Like, I know Thompson Twins. There's like – I was going to say Nick Miller. It's not Nick Miller. That's a new girl character. That is but a new girl character. It's whatever, dude, from – uh not alabama who where did moody go um arkansas, arkansas. um yeah i don't know i know big names but by now i would typically already be like okay i need some right. sense of optimism so like let's right. see who's gonna save the franchise through the draft right. and that's not where we're at man they're, they're playing well the kings just finished their six game road trip i will say by the way at the beginning i'm always horrible about saying this uh we are on youtube as always and today we're live streaming so we'll yes, be sir. interacting with the chat throughout here and it's just kings underscore pulse on every platform there is so check that out what's up to the chat i see sean in here appreciate you hopping in uh first one that we see in here but the kings are just getting off a six game road trip where they came away three and three and i think that is like possibly the best outcome that you could have reasonably expected for this team and maybe it wasn't the games that I expected them to win and lose, but they came away three and three with a loss against Milwaukee, a win against Cleveland back-to-back losses against New York and Philadelphia, not back-to-back nights, but uh, two games in a row with New York and Philadelphia. After that Philadelphia game, they fly to Toronto on the second night of a back-to-back and win that game. And then most recently earlier tonight beat the Detroit Pistons. Um, and there's a lot of fun connections to that team, whether it be Marvin <laughs> Bagley, Corey, Corey Joseph, Rex Kalamian, even on that bench, um, and you got the Jaden Ivy, Keegan Murray storyline as well. Trey Lyles. That's right. Um, so yeah, a lot of fun connections there, but what were your general, is there anything that happened during this road trip that you feel like changed your perspective or you felt like you had a new discovery or anything like that about this King's team?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. A new discovery. I'm not sure, but there was a lot. Well, Actually, I, I should take that back. One is that, and I'm sure we're gonna talk about it at length, but uh Demonis Sabonis is it doesn't it doesn't matter who's on the other side, that fool is going to get his numbers uh and he's gonna like make himself known. Like he doesn't have bad days. Like his bad days, I would argue, uh the the only game where he didn't finish above like twenty points in this road trip was uh sorry, as I pull up his game logs here, uh, was the Philadelphia or uh, I'm sorry. Was the uh, Chicago game, which wasn't even on this road trip, where he didn't have 20 points? He had 11 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists. Like it, he's going against Vucevic. He's going against Lopez, Antetokounmpo, the Mobley Allen combination. It doesn't matter. He's putting up 20 plus points, 10 plus rebounds, and five plus assists every single night. It seems, uh, regardless of playing the toughest competition. Uh, the fool is just undeniable. Like he, he's Thanos.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and yeah, we got a couple of people in the chat. We'll, we'll get through this. Somebody says HB isn't watched. We're guaranteed to talk about HB 10000%. throughout the course of this. Um, but Domas in these six games, man, averaging 21.2 points, 14.2 rebounds, and six assists mm. along with 1.2 steals, 0.7 blocks. But those 21 points are on 71% from the field. Like, yeah he's going stupid. Like Domas is doing this on a nightly basis and it looks casual. Like, so I don't know about you, but I don't even realize it's like quite happening. Yeah. Like I don't feel that much of a difference between the night where he drops 11, 13 and seven compared to his 20, 21 and like 10 night, you know, like Mm -hmm. he just, and even those nights, he had those, that ridiculous stat line. I, I forget what team it was against. It might have been that last game that he had against Toronto. Oh, the um, 2020 game. <laughs> yes, and it yeah. somehow doesn't even feel like it says the full extent of his impact. Twenty-one right. points, twenty rebounds, seven assists. Like I mean, that's ten insane. of thirteen from the field, ridiculously efficient. And it doesn't even feel like that's. It feels like that's almost understating the impact that he had, which is somehow ridiculous. Like. He he is so freaking good. At some point, uh, soon here, you you had this idea, I think it was. But at some point soon here, we'll actually go through uh, the different players that should be considered for all star candidacy. But yeah. at this point, do you feel like Domas is probably in there? There's still more. Yeah, games absolutely. Played, but... In terms
1: of candidacy, absolutely. I mean, he especially if he if he's classified as a center, that kind of knocks the competition down a bit. Uh, It could be, you know, Jokic is obviously is probably going to be the starting center. But, you know, you have DeAndre Ayton, who he might be going against. I don't know if he's necessarily all-star caliber, but um, there's somebody else who I'm definitely missing. Oh, Anthony Davis uh, will will more than likely be considered at center as well. So he's going to have competition, but... They might have changed uh, it to guards and forwards, no? Well, that would be even worse for him. I think starters also, you have to be voted in. So so it'll probably have to be... uh, you know, a uh do they decide coaches is the right? I don't. Who even knows how all star is picked anymore? Like I know that right. there's a coach. Like I think it's only one of the players are are selected by coaches. Who knows? But I he, honestly you know, could
0: tell you before we do that episode, we will know an answer for right. sure.
1: How, but how many players in this league realistically can can have a stat line like he did the other night in Toronto, the twenty twenty and seven? Like there's Jokic. Embiid, I guess, and mm-hmm. doesn't really pass like that. You know, we saw the other night, they they initiate yeah. everything through James Harden these days. Um, AD you know, does Luka, belong there this year. Luca, AD, Giannis, can, seven assists is quite a bit. Yeah, Giannis. I mean, in Sabonis, point is, it's a bunch of guys that Sabonis is not typically grouped in with. So, I mean, that that just speaks to uh, just I mean, it's not even that he's understated anymore because I do feel like. Uh, On a national perspective, like, people are picking on to it. Like, it it was, especially at the start of the season, a lot of talk about De'Aaron Fox, but I definitely feel the narrative definitely shifting to, oh, no, like, everything these guys do offensively is, and even defensively, for those who are really watching, is because of Demonis Sabonis. So, uh, big ups to him because, you know, he. I think he's playing better than every single person expected. Uh, and I also see him in the chat, but I'm told Halliburton is better. Like, that was a big go so far, you know, to start this season was a lot of people talking seem to forget that. Yes. Oh, Tyrese Halliburton. Everybody loves to talk about Tyrese Halliburton, the 20 points leading the NBA in assists. Like we got nothing for him. And, you know, this is the guy that we got for him. You had to give up something special to get something special back. And, uh, you know, like, Tomas has proven Monty McNair's decision completely correct.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, yeah, still TBD to an extent, but like, obviously. Oh, for sure.
1: I definitely want to have that conversation at some point, too. I think, you know, we we, we, we still could be proven a big time fool for that one as well. Yeah, but
0: vibes right. are immaculate, as chat says here, yes, um, which, by the way, I don't know where that stems from. Like, I know that you said it the other day and like whenever somebody talks about vibes, I always go to the word immaculate as well. Immaculate. And that's definitely yeah. some sort of meme, but I don't know yeah, the sure. origins of that. So mm-hmm. if somebody in the chat happens to know, I would very much appreciate uh, some sort of education here. Did A B um,
1: really get hurt tonight?
0: That uh, is what somebody in chat is saying here. So I am not sure.
1: I got the Laker game on. and I'll have to turn around and check it.
0: I will say some of the other or some of the takeaways on my end is that I it's hard to tell if it's an outlier or not, but it feels weird to use the word outlier on back to back nights, but they had two games in a row where they just couldn't shoot the ball to save their life, right? At least for their standard, right? The New York and the Philly game, they both hit 10 triples in that game and they've only hit 10 triples or less um, five times all year. And that's including the two that we just saw take place. So Like, they feel like outliers, but I don't know. Like, I think Herter was unavailable for at least one of those games. Uh, Malik had been cold, but to me, when you still have HB, you still have Keegan. Like, Terrence Davis is still sitting on your bench. Trey Lyles um, maybe not have been available for all of those games, but at least some of them. Like, in my mind, I didn't think that this team would have back-to-back bad shooting nights, and it made me question that a little bit. Um, But – I think until proven otherwise, I'm still going to kind of view those as the outlier. And I will say like even earlier in this, um, or no earlier in the year, they did have a game where they're they're still managed to pull out a win when they weren't able to shoot well. And I think that's important Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And there were plenty of other aspects in those games that they were horrible at uh, specifically on the defensive end when it came to New York and Philadelphia. Like I, I think my other big takeaway aside from, trying to maybe monitor the shooting a little bit more rather than just thinking like this team is elite at shooting and maybe they can just still have their off nights, even with everybody on this team seemingly being really good shooters is that like they need to be better on the defensive end more consistently because that New York and Philly game were honestly pretty disgusting. Like Mm -hmm. they were really bad. It was reminiscent of the beginning of the year where it was like, okay, obviously you're a good offensive team, but you're still a really bad defense and then they started to pick it up. There was trending upwards, is the term that Mike Brown loves to use, mm-hmm. right? And you felt like that was very much happening. And then those two games were, were really bad, man. Like the Philly one, I maybe I overreacted on, on socials. I think I said it was an embarrassing game, but like they got destroyed. Like, and it was in transition. Like, how is Joel Embiid the guy beating every single other player on the court down the floor? Like, I don't understand how that's possible. You're fouling the hell out of him. And then you start overplaying him because he's just destroying you in the first quarter. And then these other guys start picking you apart. But um, I think that overall, I don't mean to harp on, on those couple games um, because overall this road trip was a massive success. Like coming out three and three, I think this is everything that you could have wanted from this road trip. In my mind, Fox is, is healthy again, after his foot issue. Um, do you feel like we saw like the Fox that we saw at the beginning of the year in these last two games?
1: Yeah, it's starting to feel like he's getting that way. I think he's still trying to dial in his shot, but you know, you saw, I believe it was against Toronto. It looked like his shot was, was completely locked in, but it seems, you know, that mid range shot that he had was automatic that fall away, what, you know, get drive into the paint and then fade out of the, Uh, fade away is kind of, you know, he's still trying to reel those things in, but it does feel like he has his burst back and he's definitely looking a little bit more like that guy that we saw uh, in the beginning of the season for sure.
0: Absolutely. I'm there. I feel like the burst is, is there and that's kind of like the most important thing to me. He's had good defensive moments too. I think he drew a charge tonight on Ivy. I believe it was, it could have Mm -hmm. been somebody else that I thought was really impressive. And by the way, if he ever plays rookie guards, he always goes crazy. Like yeah. Morant's rookie year, I remember this. I think Garland's yeah. rookie year. Ivy tonight just didn't do anything, anything because he was in foul trouble all night. I think he ended the game with more fouls than points. He ended up he fouling out of this right? game. Right. Yeah. I think it was five points, six fouls. Um, so tough night for him. And uh, real quick before, because I think the meat and potatoes of this episode is going to be a trade season primer, and we're going to kind of categorize everybody on Sacramento's roster into the likelihood we think they will or will not be moved. But before we move on to that, just finish this road trip. Like I said, three and three, the cr- Kings are currently sitting at 16 and 12, and that is good for fifth in the Western Conference now, since the Portland Trailblazers must have lost earlier tonight. They... There were a lot of games tonight. They did lose by 20 to the Dallas Mavericks. Damn. Oh. Um, but the Kings are sitting at fifth right now. And they have a lot of road games coming up because they've had two really tough East Coast road trips already. Mm-hmm. And we're only 28 games into the season at this point. The Kings are eight and four at home. And three of those four losses were their first four. came in their first four games of the season. There was that Portland one that was the home opener. And then the Clippers, that was game two. And then they went on the road in Golden State, and they did lose that game. But then they came back home and played Memphis and lost that. And their only other loss, so after losing those first three at home, they've been eight and one. Their only other loss was against the Phoenix Suns, who I know are struggling recently. But that was the best record in the Western Conference last year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and were during they were rolling during the time that the Kings went up against them. So um, eight and four at home. Those four losses that I just walked through and after today's game in Detroit, 11 of their next 13 games are going to be home games for the Kings and eight of those 13 games are against teams currently below 500. Like this feels like a really big opportunity to kind of solidify themselves in this potentially six seed area and maybe flirting with home court advantage and that and could totally come back down as the schedule continues to get more difficult. But do you have confidence in the team at this point that they will like take care of business in the games that they're quote unquote supposed to win?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, it, it's kind of it's kind of one of those things that you believe them until they, uh, you know, make you feel otherwise. And typically, I mean, this team has not been uh, like that they have not beaten teams that they should have beaten, even though they were bad in the past. Like, uh, you know, it, it just was never a requirement or, you know, never something that always happened. And this season, it definitely has like it definitely feels like, you know, tonight would have been a prime example of a game where it's just a natural letdown game. It's the last game of a road trip. You had just gotten a huge win in Toronto on the second night of a back to back. You weren't expecting to get this. This is a Perfect trap game for you. You're already looking forward to going home. And tonight they they had an opportunity to roll over. Uh, Detroit again gave them a good battle for for whatever reason. Uh, Detroit seems to be a good matchup for the Kings even without Cade Cunningham. Um, you know Detroit played them well. I thought today they shot the lights out for for the first half, and then Kings hit them in the mouth that third quarter. They kind of responded back a little bit in the fourth, and then the Kings put them down uh, uh to, you know as as the game wound down but you know they have they've proven this year and they have earned i think kings fans respect uh in the sense that yeah you know they they play the hornets the lakers the wizards at home this week those should be all wins there's not really any reason for you to drop any of those games the lakers have started to play better as of late but it hasn't shown in their overall record as they're still 11 and 18 uh Oh, they are beating the Nuggets right now. So, I'm sorry, 11 and 16. They're about to be 12 and 16. Uh so, you know, they're getting better, but they're still by no means a team to the level of the Kings. Like they should, they should take care of business. And I think this is a perfect week like you said to prove to everybody again like no, we are serious, we're legit, we're not going to, you know, let these games slip. This is a this is a real opportunity not only for them to to you know, get some good wins, but also to kind of flex a little bit and showcase like, no, we can really dominate and be that exciting team that we were at the start of the season.
0: I'm a believer. I'm a believer for sure. I think the Charlotte game should absolutely be a win. I think the Washington game, I made a mistake on on your pod, Return of the Roar with uh, yourself, Frankie and Matt yesterday and saying that Washington had been rolling a little bit. And I'll make a confession on that, by the way. I fell asleep listening to the low post. Right. <laughs> and I right. woke up, right? And then I just like press resume and, and kind of took a shower. I had it going in the background during my whole like morning routine. And they right. were talking about how the Washington had really been rolling. Right. Yes, they were. Defensively, like they were really right. on point. Well, but then I realized that they were talking about a team from like last year, and I had accidentally gotten on a way earlier pod. So I had just been listening to about like like some hype about Washington from last year. It got (laughs) totally thrown off. but Washington. In their defense, they had
1: they were playing well. They were really playing well. And then they have lost eight straight and nine of their last ten uh so yeah i mean at, at one point that i think they were even above 500 so i i didn't think it was too that's why I, yeah, I i in your defense also i completely agreed with you i was like yeah washington has been playing well because last time i checked on them they had
0: <laughs> and then you pulled it up mid-pod and you were like i think you and i are pretty yeah wrong on this. they've lost <laughs> yeah. eight in a row or whatever it is hey, and i
1: like to keep it 100 you know i'm no, not gonna not gonna act very like i
0: yeah, if I'm we're wrong, we're you. gonna say we're wrong, you know, right? Some people might not be that way, but that, that's what we're gonna do here. Right. Um, so I, I think this home stand is a really good opportunity for the Kings to continue to solidify themselves, you know. Like we mentioned, Charlotte, LA, Washington. Then you do have a back-to-back against Denver. I will say, probably the most impressed I was with Domas last year, and I think he only played about 15 games last year with Sacramento, so there wasn't that much opportunity to really get a feel for him. Mm-hmm but I thought some of the most impressed I was with him last year was when he was against Jokic. And that was when I got like the first taste of like, oh, this guy's actually a solid defender. Um, So I I think that it's reasonable to think that the Kings could split that. There's a Utah Mm -hmm. game in there um, and they go on the road for two games. And then their next home stand is really favorable. Whereas at one point you're playing Orlando and then Houston twice, all home games. And then you go on the road and play San Antonio like,
1: yeah, squ- I've been looking forward to that strip for a while. I've been looking forward to that mid-January stretch. If we can just get to mid-January with above 500 record, we have seven straight very winnable games.
0: Yes, absolutely. And we'll see. And sometimes you're going to lose games that you should win. And then other days you're going to win games that you should lose. Right. Shout out Sean Cunningham for the word should. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the Toronto game, I thought was the hardest game of the of the road trip. I thought the New York game was the easiest game or well, a, a, aside from the Detroit game, but that's the last game of the trip too. also it could be a little bit of a tricky one. Um, but like, I thought they'd win the New York. I thought they'd lose the Toronto game, but you sp- right alternate those two and it's the same sort of outcome, you know? So exactly. I think that that's it's one of
1: those where you got to take the, the wide view, you know, you can't, that's where you can't get lost in the day-to-day grind of it. Like you do have to take that step back. And like you said, like you finish the road trip three and three, I, I, you know, I do the Kings weekly show every week. We look ahead to the week that is like all you can really do is, is try and get that record. It really doesn't matter how, how you get it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. With you, Um, Eric, I want to clarify real quick because I've been keeping up with your comments here. You say they turned off the beam already. I think Morgan said on the broadcast that she got told they were going to, or maybe not on the broadcast, but somebody said that Morgan was told and they at her That the beam would stay on until the team landed, Um, and I see Eric said in the chat that the beam is already turned off. But then later I see here that he checks again, and maybe he's wrong. (laughs) But I don't know if he's still talking about that. So if we get an update up, if the beam is still beam watch,
1: beam watch, yeah, yeah,
0: we we need a little bit of a beam watch here. Um, but (laughs) we live. I think we can move on to the next portion of the pod. Like I said, this is going to be the main segment here yes i couldn't think of great names for these different categories to be honest but the idea here is trade season is approaching and i don't know how true that is to be honest but everybody's talking about it all of a sudden right um so eric says he's wrong i appreciate you for it for for admitting that eric and it's good to know that it is still on um so we categorized every single member of the kings i did 15 i didn't do the two-way guys um into four different categories and you did do the two-way guys yeah all right I could I could do it on the fly it will be easy um there's a less than one percent chance of being traded we can call this the uh the Tyrese Halliburton category because (laughs) (laughs) because I wanted to say untouchable but nobody is ever untouchable I would have called Tyrese untouchable last deadline right you know I mean there were whispers of like Ben Simmons like I would, right. I would have considered and blah, blah, blah. There's different guys I would have considered. Um, but I never want to say untouchable. So I went with there's a category of less than Very 1% sane. of being traded. Should be traded. Right. Um, and then there's a small chance of being moved, which is pretty much like for an outlier package or the right sort of deal. Um, and then there's I have no clue if they'll be here or not to be honest. like It's just kind of a coin flip. They'll be here or gone. And then the final category is I would be surprised if they were not trading. Right.
1: I think the easiest way would be like, what? yeah, like you said, less than 1%, 25%, 50-50, and then I'd say about 75% chance, I think. Yes.
0: And I originally, maybe not originally, but at some point uh, considered doing those exact percentages. But then I felt like it could get... I don't know, aggregated yeah, or I feel ran like this with is more too like
1: much. a 62%. Yeah, uh, exactly.
0: You know. Exactly. I'm like, I don't know about 75 here. So um, I think the way to go about this, do you, okay, so let me ask you, do you think that we go through everybody that we have in a category, or do you think like we name a player and then say what category they're in?
1: I think category is easiest.
0: Okay. So let's start with the less than one percent chance of being traded. Okay, yeah?
1: you go ahead and go through your list, and I'll just—I feel. Let, like let's we'll alternate probably... if you're down. Okay, go ahead.
0: Okay, obvious one, De'Aaron Fox, right? And and I wrote down the uh, contracts that they have remaining, so I'll go through that as we talk to you. Um, De'Aaron Fox remaining four years, one hundred and thirty-four point nine million. Is De'Aaron Fox in your less than one percent of being traded yes. category?
1: Okay. Yes.
0: Another. Who you is
1: got one? next. a Sabonis. Yes. He has
0: two years, 37.9 million remaining. Easy one. Easy. I have another one in my less than 1% chance of being traded. Yep. Kevin Herter. Yes. Four years, $65 million remaining. Yes. Do you have another? Yes. Okay. Who do
1: you have? Keegan Murray.
0: Oh, okay. I do not have Keegan Murray. Interesting. Keegan Murray is on his rookie scale deal, four years, right. 36.4 million remaining, but first year of his rookie scale deal, uh, I think it's what, after year three, he's eligible for an extension. Year four, he'd go into restricted free agency. Um, the last one that I have in my less than 1% chance of being trading, which again, I do not have Keegan Murray actually, um, is Malik Monk. Yep. I have two years, that's 19.4 that's... million remaining on Malik Monk. So you you have Malik as well. And the, out, the difference between us is that you have Keegan and I do not. Yeah. Okay. So Fox and Domas are obvious, right? But when it comes to Herder and Monk, like do you think if there was some what what made you put them in this category compared to the next of like if there was like the right deal, they would be included?
1: A, I don't think that deal is out there, and B, I think that those two players have proven to be too important to the Kings when they are rolling. When the Kings have been at their best, especially earlier in the season, Kevin Herter was going shooting above fifty percent from three. I think they saw the obvious value in that when he was rolling like that. I think they see the potential of the the Domas Herter two man game. Uh, so I think you know Kevin Herter that that speaks for Kevin Herter, Malik Monk is just too valuable. I mean, you look at his contract. He's not a mid-level exception. You're not going to get that level of production for that contract period for anything. So that's an incredibly valuable piece. And then you throw on the value that he has on the court as well, where, you know, he's clearly on a night where somebody else might not have it. Malik Monk has had it every single night, uh, which I've been surprised by because I thought he was going to be a lot more streaky than this, but he's been hyper consistent this season uh, putting up 15 plus it seems every single night so I just think that those two guys are are way too important to what the Kings are best at right now or trying to be
0: yeah I'm absolutely with you I I think like the most important thing for this team is guys that can shoot that are also super high IQ players Right. And Malik Monk, I, I did not think that Malik Monk was a super high IQ player, admittedly, when he came right. into the Kings. I thought 100%. he had like a little buddy healed in him, to be honest. Yep. I thought that he would be frustrating sometimes.
1: A lot of Dante DiVincenzo.
0: Calm down, okay? Buddy Healed and Dante <laughs> are not the same. For anybody unaware, just I'm that a Dante w- just defender. That
1: wild sense of, I'm going to pull yes. this.
0: Yes, it was easier to forgive Dante for me. Right. But I know that, I'm, uh, that we are not the same there. And you are by far not the only person that uh, was agitated by Dante uh, on a nightly <laughs> basis. He definitely has his moments for sure. But I think that also, like, they just acquired Herder. Herder is still young. He's got right. four years remaining on this deal.
1: Right. I just don't see that him Also, being, it's a win. It's a, it's already a win for Monty McNair. Why would he yes. risk that win that he got? Right.
0: And, and also, the other aspect of Malik to me, I do think he's a really important member of this. I think that there's an aspect of... If you sign a guy and then trade him right away, and this is like, one of like the luck. bigger signings in recent Sacramento history when it comes to yeah. value, like that's a like you said it's a really bad look. Like yeah. agencies could look at you differently and yeah. just start to second guess like like I I think when the Celtics traded away Isaiah Thomas, they were looked at differently. You know, like that's a different thing specifically, right. but I think that there is an aspect of that of like Malik Monk picked the Kings over other teams from the impression that I've gotten um, and potentially more money elsewhere because he wanted to play with Fox and he just wanted to be on this team. And I think if you trade that guy, that's a bad look. Um, so that's where as I'm a, at with those guys.
1: As a transition here, can you can you talk to me why I assume you had Keegan in this next year as opposed to the one percent? I as did. A, as someone who lived through uh, Thomas Robinson being traded at the deadline his, <laughs> his first, during his rookie year, I just feel like that 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 um, that treatment is for a special few types of rookies, like Buddy Healed, for example. Rookies is, that are is not someone who has traded, living up to expectations. The, exactly. Yes, I don't think Keegan's quite there yet, but uh, you know he he's definitely proven enough so far this season. I think to where the Kings would rather play out what they have. I have a different conversation for tomorrow's Kings weekly, just as a nice little plug. I I definitely have some questions about, you know, the selection of Keegan Murray. And if we can look back on that, but uh, we can speak on that here as well. But
0: I'm just curious why
1: you think, uh, why, why you have him in that, that next tier of possibly being traded. I assume that that would be if you're, you're big game hunting, right? Like, if you're, yes, if you're going to try and exactly pull off a Kevin Durant is. trade or something. Right? Yes.
0: It's and not even necessarily KD, but like, I mean,
1: yes, that was way, like guy, way guys much.
0: that you think are a perfect third option. You know, like right. I'm a very big OG and guy and I think mm-hmm. he's a split decision, but like, does it not sound really reminiscent of trading Tyrese for Domas and not having to include any picks? Like if you were to go and swap Keegan for like a guy that's hypothetically your third guy for a guy that is your third guy already, you know, like I don't know about OG specifically, um, but I think there's other guys around the league and it it admittedly, like I think throughout the course of this, I I told you while we were prepping for this, like we weren't going to specifically talk about other names around the league. So I didn't put all too much thought into that. I will say, but like I'm trying to think of somebody on the spot, like if, Zach Levine became available. Like I don't like Zach Levine, but like a player of that caliber, you know what I mean? Became available. Like I think that Keegan Murray could be on the table. You know what I mean? I, I think there's a very small chance, a 10% chance sort of thing. And while we were doing this, I had to like try to rethink my categories and stuff. It was asking you questions, trying to figure this out. Like I think it's a small percent chance that Keegan Murray is traded, but I don't think it's the same as these other guys. I think that if you could take a sure thing somewhere else, then he could be considered. You know, yeah. And that's all it is. I'd be shocked if he was moved. But we're talking like
1: Jimmy Butler becomes available or something. Right.
0: Right. I don't know if that's even a good example, but yeah, I'm someone
1: of that caliber where it's like you have to trade Harrison Barnes and Pascal
0: Siakam. Right. Like I'm putting Keegan Murray on the table for Pascal Siakam, and that's not me hating on Keegan Murray, like. again you could argue
1: it's a compliment
0: right actually that's exactly yes yes i keegan has been more impressive than i expected um at least in the flashes you know like i i think Mm -hmm. i underestimated his ceiling i did expect him to be better than he has been so far but i'm not worried in the slightest i think it's typical rookie stuff he looked great tonight in detroit by the way and he's had a lot of games where he looks really good and i love the fact that he did it against detroit because I'm assuming that Detroit hasn't got Detroit fans, media, right. and all that haven't got to see Keegan that much. And there was a conversation right. of Keegan versus Ivy. And I loved it in the game where those two go head to head. Ivy looked really tough, at least on the defensive end. He kind of just got abused. He I think he had his moments on offense where it was like, whoa, this guy's going to be something in the future. Um, but Keegan looked really good. So I love that. But all I'm saying is that like I could see a world where Keegan is moved if they were to take another big swing this Mm -hmm. deadline. And I don't think that's likely, but I I think Siakam is a perfect example. Like if that sort of guy became available, then I think that Keegan Murray would be on the table.
1: I have a lot of Keegan Murray thoughts that I'm going to keep chambered until there we go.
0: We'll get to them in a later pod. (laughs) You know, Um, do you have anybody else in this small chance of being moved
1: category? The small chance is the yes, I do. I have that. That's my longest list is the small chance.
0: Oh, okay. Yes. My longest is the next one.
1: This really? It's very short for me, actually. <laughs> so you have Keegan in this one. Uh-huh. Who do you have next? Uh, This is where I put a lot of the two-way guys. So I do have Chima, Keon, and Nimi all in this category. Okay. Um how many people are in are in this i actually only have
0: one more and then i i have so many in my straight up i don't know because i could see so many of them not being the centerpiece of a deal but being like an additional piece that maybe swings the swings the odds for the other team involved you know interesting
1: okay so i think that that just means that tells me that we just have two different views of how I think that we think this trade deadline is going to go. I think that the Kings aren't going to move mountains in order to, I mean, there's not really much, they can't really get much better. You know, they can maybe improve a seat or two with moving Rashawn or something, which I'm not trying to spoil the list later, but like, I, that just tells me that you think that a lot more people are up in the air to get traded than I do. I personally have like, like who, who go ahead and list the, the rest of your people in this tier. Well, I might have you go
0: through and then tell you when I have okay. the same one. But I will okay. say, I think the difference for me when I have all these guys in this like coin flip category is that. Okay, obviously one of. The would not be surprised if they're traded as Rashawn Holmes. That's no secret. Everybody right. would have had that. Right. Right. Um, and then to me, when you're talking about a Rashawn's home, Rashawn Holmes deal, there's a lot of guys that I could see being the other guy in that deal. You know what I mean? Sure. And so anybody but, that wouldn't have surprised me to be the plus one in a Rashawn okay. deal, I put in the coin flip. Does that make okay. sense?
1: Yes, it does make sense. Again, I just think that we might have different views of, not even I shouldn't even say different views. I just personally don't think that many people have value. So I will do. Okay. I'll I'll do my small chance one. I have uh, Chima, Keon, Nimi. As I said, I also have KZ in this category just because I don't think KZ again provides much value. He's just kind of he he's going to be a throw in if he is going to get traded, but even then, I don't know why a team would. This is going to sound mean, but I don't know why someone would pick KZ as their their bonus piece on this roster of, of their pick of the litter. I'll,
0: I'll respond to that real quick because KZ was one of the borderline ones for me. And I, I definitely get what you're saying with Chima as well and the two ways. I didn't include the two ways, like I said, and it would yeah. make sense to put all these guys in here. Because to me, the Kings value those guys more than other teams, right? Exactly. Like the way that Mike talks about KZ is pretty fucking right. wild, bro. Yeah. He's sitting here talking about like uh, defensive player of the year type potential. And I see where he's talking about when you're talking like absolute peak outcome, best possible case scenario for Casey Akpala, six, eight, seven, two wingspan. Like I get it. Right. But like what other team in the league is being like, Oh, this dude could be a defense player of the year. Right. Like, so I I definitely get where you're coming from.
1: Yeah. Uh, I also have. Delhi in here kind of for that same reason. There's just no reason why a team would, Specifically seek, you know, if you're really looking for a third guard, you probably like Delhi was available. I, I assume that yes. a team would much rather sign Quinn Cook, for example, than make a trade with the Kings for Delva Dova if they plan on using him. Uh I also have Trey Lyles in this category. This one probably because of his contract, he might be a little bit more in that 50-50 range than than I initially thought. I did kind of do this off of initial thoughts and didn't really do too much deep diving into it, but It just doesn't feel like, again, like you said, it feels like Trey is probably at this point more valuable to the Kings than he would be to somebody else, but I could definitely be wrong about that. Like Trey, I think is pretty universally known as just a solid piece, but um, I don't know if he's really, how much value he's necessarily adding uh, on top of his money because he's he's not a minimum paid player, is he? Trey Lyles thing, is
0: is making um he's an expiring two point six million dollar deal and I oh, will okay. say so that, the, the guys that you've gone through he's probably the one I disagree with you on the most like I, I yeah. absolutely get your logic and I think that we just viewed this differently mm-hmm. with with Vadova, with KZ with Chima with Neon with Kimi or uh, with <laughs> neon. with neon yeah. and Nimi uh neon kion that's a great fucking name neon um, and kimi <laughs> um i i get your logic there where it's like i don't know what value they would have to other teams right. and i'd be shocked if an, another team was interested in them um but i guess my logic there which i think we're on the same page but just view this differently would be like if a team was like the deal's not done unless KZ Paula's in it. Then the Kings would <laughs> right. be like, I sure the deal is yeah, done. You true. know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's so I so think that we're fun. on the same page here. We just viewed those guys differently. Right. But I will say, I, I think a little differently of Trey Lyles. I think that Trey has value as like a ninth, tenth guy on a roster, like eighth,
1: ninth. But tenth I think guy that value is more on this roster. I Do mean, again, think, like, is it? I don't know. I don't know. It I don't know I mean how are you gonna replace him is more the thing. It's not that he's irreplaceable, but it does feel like he does slot in pretty nicely to that backup four role at the moment. Like yeah, he he, he plays you know he he's kind of that ideal size. Still keeps the mobility, still can shoot, uh, and it's just solid. Like I don't think they're really I don't know. I mean maybe they could look for more. You can always have more three and D guy, but guys. But uh, I don't know. I feel like Trey. Trey is just a good value piece to have. I do have somebody else in this who I definitely feel like you're going to disagree with. I have Davion in this. And I think it's a little bit of the same logic that I have with Keegan, where it's just like it feels like a little bit too early for them to give up. You you and I both share the same feelings on Davion Mitchell. And I think we would both give up on this experiment. But I just don't know if you're going to trade Davion, what is your solution at backup point guard? And I think with the injuries that we've seen to Fox so far and uh, just, you know, the fact that you have to, you have to give Fox a rest at some point in the game. I do think that their backup point guard position is pretty valuable. And I, I don't know. I don't think that they would just throw that aside.
0: I had Davion as the one other guy in my small chance of being moved category, believe it or not. Um, really? Because I have been pretty critical of Davion too, but it's, I, I I don't even know exactly how to go about explaining this he has three years 16.3 million dollars left right he has two years left until he's eligible to be extended um for or those full three years which means this year and two more until he's he would potentially enter restricted free agency if there was no extension agreed upon it was tough to me because i think there's a chance that there's still some teams around the league that value him really highly and there's a chance that the kings do too like, I, I don't really know, but they clearly do not feel like playing him alongside Fox is the most viable option. And maybe we've seen that a little bit more. Um, there was that Phoenix game that I personally thought that Davion actually should have closed that game. I thought he was the best option on Devin Booker, um, but I think that it would take a team really having liked Davion at the time of the draft and having believed that, What they've seen so far hasn't changed their mind at all, I guess. That they still think he can be a starting point guard in the league. And I kind of always – I don't want to say I always viewed him as a backup point guard. Like I did. That was was my realistic – I always
1: viewed him as a backup point guard. I I guess I should say that. Especially in the situation that he was drafted to, he was always going to be a backup point guard. Right.
0: And, and I will say that that is what I expected, but I didn't think that was like the only possible thing for him. I thought it was possible. He became a starter. You know what I mean? Um, but he's just the guy that to me, like you have more time to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like you have team control with him. Um, and unless there is a team that is clearly valuing him more than you are, then I just don't see it really happening, you know. Right, it's, which it's is why I have him in that.
1: I have that in the. That's why I have him below the fifty fifty. To me, the, 50/50 yeah, the fifty fifty is really like. He, I don't like. He's either going to be like. There's just as good chance of this as this, and I. I don't. I just don't think that there's that many guys on this roster. Yeah, I. I, I don't think that they're going to be super active
0: either. Do you have anybody else in your small chance of being? No. Here? So
1: my small chance is Davion, Chima, Keon, Nimi, KZ, Deli, and Lyles.
0: Okay. Okay. And mine is just Keegan and Davion. Um, okay. and again, as I explained earlier, I, I think we just kind of viewed it a little bit differently. Like right. to me, it was, I wouldn't be surprised if these guys were included in a deal, you know, like I, I just didn't okay. feel confident saying that like these guys will be around. Like, To me, if if the Kings were trying to make a deal and it was like, it's not done unless X guys included, then like I felt like the Kings would be like, all right, let's just do that, you know, Um, but obviously depends on the deal. And by the way, everybody in the chat, appreciate everybody in here. Um, At some point, we will totally field your questions. That is the plan for the end of this segment. I'm not ignoring y'all. But if you have comments on the specifics of who and who who and who should not be a part, I eventually got it out there. Uh, who and who should not be a part of these different tiers. We'll gladly talk about it, but I'm not ignoring the chat. I'm just trying to keep us on topic because right. I will very quickly get off topic if very I start quickly. pulling up uh, things in the chat here. But okay, so let's let's go to this coin flip ta- category Please. then. And my coin flip guys that you've already gone through, and I think that we're actually on the same page with, we just kind of view this exercise a little differently, are Casey Okpala, who has two years, 3.9 million remaining, Chimo Moneki, who has two years, two point seven million dollars remaining, uh, Matthew Dellavedova, that's an expiring two point six million dollar deal, um, Trey Lyles, an expiring two point six million dollar deal, and I don't have Keon or Nimi on my list, so I guess we're we're good there. So if we're starting with the coin flip here, where I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised either way if they were here or if they were gone. Mm-hmm. First one, all shout out, Terrence Davis. Yep expiring $4 million deal. And I'll say my logic here is that I think TD has, might have some value, you definitely. know, like I, I think that he's more than just a throw in. Like, I think he mm-hmm. definitely adds to the value of whatever deal that the Kings are trying to get. Now, I don't think that he's somebody that the Kings are like going to look at and say like, we want to move this guy and get something better. To me, he's a guy that's added on as an incentive to, to make a deal better for the other team. But is mm-hmm. TD part of this group for you?
1: Absolutely. Yep. For all the reasons that you said, I think his contract is very movable. Like you said, under $5 million. That's, that's nothing. Uh, and he's shown his level of production. I mean, we saw tonight he, or the other night, uh, filling in for Kevin Herder, uh, who was that against? Uh, was that Toronto? Yes, it was Toronto because he was back in Toronto. Had a great night filling in, and he had the uh, national TV game of having 30 plus. There was it, 35 in that game. TNT uh, so TD. Absolutely, that's that. If you if you don't think that that plays a role in his value, you're you're absolutely wrong because him having a big performance on national TV absolutely is something that if he were to get traded to a team. That's one of the first three videos that that every fan is seeing. is 35-point performance Terrence Davis on national television. Kevin so.
0: Durant on his podcast being like, Terrence Davis lit us yeah. up.
1: Right. Absolutely. So, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. Who you got next? Uh, I have uh, Chimazie Metu on this list. Shocker. A little bit for the same reason as <laughs> TD uh, without the production. <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, it's more just, you know, he he Are he you? is a rotation player on an upstart team who has. If you watch his film, you can find a little bit of everything. You could convince yourself that hey, we can we can hone in on this one part of chemezi Metu's game and make him just do that. Whether it be we've seen him attempt to stretch the floor, you can definitely talk yourself into that. Everything except for defensive rebounding. Uh, you know, you, you you can look at Mezzi and say, like, yeah, this guy will work on our team. So I just think he's a very movable piece. And uh, I think, like you said about TD, he just adds a little bit of value. I think less than TD's value, but uh, he, he's definitely not nothing. Maybe the equivalent of, like, a second round pick.
0: Yeah, he's an expiring $1.9 million deal. And personally, I'd be shocked if he was brought back. There's some of these other guys that, like, I could see it, but maybe I'm overreacting to just the times that we get Mezzi available to media and he just never seems happy with his role. Like he seems like he has settled into it and is willing to do it, but he does seem very much like he thinks that he could do more. Like, I I think the wording is something along the lines of, and this is very much paraphrasing. Like I could do whatever they ask me to do, but this is what they have asked me. So that's what I'm doing. Um, which is very much like I think I could do it all.
1: And I definitely think at the least Mezzi's role is dead at the end of the trade deadline.
0: I, they, they, I think his they've been are they've all. been playing with Rashawn literally these right. last two games. Like, and I don't Rashawn's been bad. Like, we'll get to Rashawn for sure. Yeah. Um, and he's been all right these last two games. Like, I like that they're bringing him back out, and and part of me wonders if that has anything to do with the trade line approaching. I could absolutely see that being the case. Yeah. Um, but I do think that like Mezzi makes sense on a team that thinks they could do more with him. And I Mm -hmm. absolutely see why somebody could believe that they could do more with Mezzi. He is really athletic. He is, especially for his size, he has some shooting potential. Like his form isn't gross or anything. It doesn't go down at a good rate, but Mm -hmm. like, I, I see how, I see how his versatility could be very appealing. And I think specifically on a team I think one of the best things that could happen to Mezzi is him go to a team that doesn't have high expectations. And then he just gets to try to do everything and just get a chance to expand his game, not get pulled quickly. Maybe that's maybe it's honestly the opposite. Maybe this scenario is the best for Mezzi, but it seems like the best for what he wants. And Mm -hmm. that might be wrong of me. I'm never trying to speak on a player's mindset because we honestly don't know. Um, just because they speak a certain way when we're asking them questions doesn't mean that that's me connecting the dots could be irresponsible, but it seems like Mezzi wants more opportunity. And I think the place that he would get that is on a team with lower expectations.
1: I completely agree with you. I was pretty much going to say the same exact thing where it's like, I hate to sound like an old head, but like, Mezzi's got to make a decision here. Like he's fine, he's on a winning team right now, and the Kings are one of the funner teams in the NBA. And if he's not having a good time now, then that says a lot about what he values as a player. And, and, and I guess he might be having a good time. Like oh, I don't, I don't know. Right. I guess we can't. We also can't put that on him. Like we we have not spoken to him in that capacity. We don't know the answer. But it definitely gives off, in everything we know about his on the court game is he wants to do more and feels like he has the ability to do more. And I could absolutely see him loving his time on Oklahoma City or Houston or, you know, throw in X. Indiana. These boys Indiana. with Tyrese. Absolutely. Like I could or the Spurs even. Funny enough, yeah. I could see him on the Spurs. Like he I feel like he would love an opportunity to showcase his game, which is great. But um it's just you know that's it's unfortunate that this is the kind of situation a lot of people i feel like would 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 be incredibly happy with like you're you're an upstart player who was i mean Chimezie Metu didn't have any wasn't getting a lot of playing time when he was on the Spurs previously you know like the Kings have given him a real opportunity here to make a name for himself and again i don't want to speak to his mindset cuz we don't really know but it does appear like he wants more with his role, which is understandable from an individual standpoint. Of course, you know, you're going to want a bigger role, but you know, you got to accept the role you have and try and thrive in it. And it doesn't feel like he has done that at all.
0: Yeah. It, it is a tough conversation to have because like we both said, I, I never want to speak on what somebody's mindset is, but I, I would tell you just, and I, I think you're doing the same, like the impression that we've gotten is that like, it was very weird that the Kings were on their seven-game win streak and we get Mezzi in media. And you can go back and find this clip. It's on the Kings Herald YouTube. Sean always posts clips on Fox 40's YouTube. Um, I would guess that Matt was at that presser as well, and it's on the ABC10 YouTube.
1: James it was, put it up on, on yes. Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. It was
0: weird, dude. It was like this guy seemed unhappy with the opportunity he was getting, and I, I just don't understand. So that, that's where we're coming from. Um, and, and why Mezzi is in this kind of coin flip category. Next one I have, um, Alex Lent. Yep. And I think a lot of this has to do with he's making almost four million dollars, 3.9 mm-hmm. million, and he's expiring. And he's the third center on this roster. And there's still Namiya's Kata. Like to me, obviously, we already hinted at like Rashawn Holmes is going to be the would be surprised if he's not traded, even if you move Rashawn. Alex Len, to me, like, if you were to move on from him, I'm fine with Nimi being your third-string center mm-hmm. compared to Alex Len. Like, at, at the beginning of the year, I probably would have preferred Alex Len, but it's, it's kind of whatever, I think. Like, if you're dealing with your third-string center, you're kind of in a bad spot in a little bit anyways, um, and you just hope that guy can get by. But I think that there's a decent chance that Alex Len is like the needed salary, matching salary to make something work as the added additional piece in a deal with his nearly four million dollars. It's 3.9 million that's expiring.
1: And he's not getting any run. Yep, absolutely. I I think I completely agree with you. And on top of that, I would say, as funny as it sounds, Alex Len has a little bit of name cachet as well. Like if you throw Alex Len in a trade. It's it's by no means is it adding I, I would say it's adding as much value as Mezzi, but he doesn't play. To your point, like I think you know, Alex is somebody with his size, and you know he he really does have pretty impressive mobility for a guy his size. Like he is not an unplayable player. Like if if someone were to trade for Alex Len, you shouldn't be surprised if you see him actually get some minutes. Like he, I think he has some value, and and uh, yeah, I I think you know, he's probably not going to be in any trade discussions and in the main discussions, but yeah, I think he could be one of those. Oh shit. We need to make $2 million work here. Would you rather have Alex Len or Mezzi? And they're like, I'd rather just take the guy that I know.
0: Right. Um, Adam Fox in the chat. I think this is a good question when it comes to Len, who plays if Domas has to miss time. And and I think you could say the same thing about, about Mezzi. Like, if if a big misses time would you regret moving on from Alex Len?
1: I don't think so. I think uh and and I asked this question when or I I uh yeah, I thought about this question a couple weeks ago before or like a week ago when when Rashawn wasn't playing at all. And I was like if if Sabonis were just good to go down for like 3 or 4 games, I kind of feel like Rashawn would get that start. Right, like I don't, I don't think that they would start Len or or promote Mezzi to the starting lineup. I I don't know why I feel that way. There's not really any logic behind it. It just feels like Rashawn has been that starting center. It wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense for for Mezzi to uh to become the center. I don't think with that starting lineup, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's a great question. I mean that 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 position is definitely the their second biggest need to me i think that they have if they want to be a realistic playoff contender then they have a bigger need that we can get to later but i think right. definitely that backup big is is their second biggest need
0: yeah i think there's a real debate on who's the better player between fox and domas and i honestly don't know that it's a necessary debate or anything it's like not. i just think they're in the same category but I think by far, Domas is the more irreplaceable guy. Yes. Like, you're mm-hmm. so – like, De'Aaron went down. You could throw Davion in there and mm-hmm. be fine. You could put Malik in there and be fine. Yep. If Domas goes down, I – like – You're fucked. You're kind of just screwed. Yeah, like, there's no real answer. Meg says, is Chima a small ball center? Uh, Like – maybe i love the idea yes i think he's a small ball center but hell no he's not a small ball not, center in the nba no, right now not like right that's now. just not if if sabonis goes down there is no option that like makes you not fall off super hard right like i don't know what the answer is and i don't think that whether or not alex len is on this roster makes that any easier or harder no you know Um, So I guess that's where I'm at with that. Who do you have else in this uh, coin flip category?
1: I think this is going to be a massive surprise here, but I have Harrison Barnes. So do
0: I, man. Wow.
1: Yeah. And you know, what's crazy is as time goes by, it just feels like it gets lower and lower as, as in terms of percent, he gets traded. Like I, it just doesn't feel like he's going to get moved. It feels like they're going to play this out and just see what happens. Um, and I, I'm going to reserve judgment until the end, of the, until it all plays out because I, I don't think any of us really know how it, like it, there's just so many different directions it can go. Uh, it's just kind of a, a calculated risk that I think Monty going to take it. I, I think the biggest problem is the most obvious one. You trade Harrison Barnes, you need a Harrison Barnes in return. Yes. And that's just, you know, unless, unless you start, cloning people that's just not how it works so well in in no team like
0: how often do you see a trade this most trades are a team trading on on different timelines you know what i mean one team is trying to make it happen right now and the other team is trying to focus on their future Mm -hmm. meaning they're they're fine with sacrificing their present results right? right like but how often is a team like like you said, if you if you trade a Harrison Barnes, you need another Harrison Barnes, another player of that role. What other team is thinking I would love to trade my small forward for another small forward? Right. Like right. that is so outlier, you know. But the whole issue here in my mind is is HB's on an expiring 18.4 million dollar deal. And are you okay with risking him walking for nothing? Cleveland to me is the biggest threat for HB. Um, they have somewhere around 20 million in available cap space. And if HP goes to that team, you're talking Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Harrison Barnes, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen, like HP is the perfect fifth guy for that team. You know right. what I mean?
1: Um, but. Cause they don't need him because it would be, he would be the right player. And if he shows up, it's great. If he just does the dirty work on a game and scores eight points, that's fine. They, they have other guys who can score, but. Uh, I think the biggest problem with Harrison Barnes, and I, I guess we've had a tough time of getting it across because I, ever since, you know, you, you we had about a 20 to 30 minute conversation about this the other day on the live and it really opened my eyes to how many people feel like Harrison Barnes should be in that less than 1% category where they really feel like Harrison is kind of invaluable to this team. And a lot of it has to do with his off-the-court stuff. I see some Jim in here says HB is a glue guy. I saw a lot of that, of people being like they can't trade Harrison Barnes. The stability, the amount that he means to this roster uh, is, is irreplaceable. I think that that is I, – I 100% agree with you. But at the same time, that's a little bit of sports movie – If that makes sense, like at the end of the day, if you have if you get a better basketball player or a player who brings in a different set of skills than Harrison Barnes, the I I I don't think unless it's like a Demarcus Cousins, a Matt Barnes, a Ron Artest type of Draymond Green type of personality, like I don't think that it's going to ruin the chemistry in the locker room. I do think Harrison is a very beloved guy, but to to as an example from last year Tyrese Halliburton is about as loved of a teammate as it got and I think they were all really hurt by when Tyrese yeah I know sports movieism is not a word sorry Meg um (laughs) (laughs) uh Tyrese Halliburton was as loved as it gets in that locker room and when they moved him I think everyone was crushed um but they got over it and the chemistry is totally fine this year I just think it's You know, it's one of those things that it does suck to the human side. Sucks, but at the like, Harrison Barnes is a Hall of Fame player. As corny as cheesy as it is to say, I'm sorry, Hall of Fame player, a Hall of Fame person. Yes, uh, you know he is is one of a kind. (laughs) Like he, he really is a Hall of Fame person, and that kind of it sucks to lose those people. The Kings lost Garrett Temple. He was one of those people, but uh, you know, you get over it because at the end of the day, talent wins out and. If the Kings can somehow, and I th- again this to bring it all back, this is why Harrison, I believe, is in this category. It's all about you're on the court production, and Harrison Barnes is a very tough player to replace. And that's that's kind of the problem. That's a long yeah. answer. But
0: no, I I mean I'm definitely with you. And it, it's tough, man. Like in the chat is having the same reaction that they did when we did your Return of the Roar podcast the other day. You fr- you myself, right. Frank, and uh matt george <laughs>
1: so uh, yeah, man, people are not they don't want to hear it bro people and, do and not I want get to it,
0: it man like i i think you have a really good point with halliburton though that like he was kind of the heart and soul of the team mm-hmm. seemingly and then you move him and the chemistry is at an all-time high this year mm-hmm. and i know you got another guy that's just like that but i think point being hb isn't exactly one of a kind like as much as HB is amazing, like you said, Hall of Fame person, Yeah, there's a lot of people in the Hall of Fame of people. You know, that was horrible wording. You're not wording, wrong. You're not I wrong. You no, what I mean, I'm saying
1: you're not wrong. Like, you know, you can you can find nice guys. <laughs> yeah, like in, in
0: I don't know, like. I am somewhat of a subscriber to I, I think sometimes it's presented as a little too black and white, but I'm I'm. A subscriber to winning fixes everything and if you bring really somebody dumb. in that's winning you more that's games than you. hp <laughs> if Sorry. you're bringing somebody in that's winning you more games like that's not an asshole right. is really what it comes down to just make them not a piece of shit is right. really all it takes like if they're not a bad person then and they're a really good basketball player then it's all right but like I am the same as you. I'm feeling like it's less and less chance as the year goes on that HB gets moved. Um, And I don't know, like the, the way that you're kind of explaining him almost feels like honestly similarly to the way that I was talking about Keegan of like if it's the right deal for a significant improvement that you're including HB. But the difference here is are you losing him for nothing at the beginning of this at the end of this year? and we don't know the answer to that you know like i think that the organization will have a much better idea of that than us yeah and that's where this is tough you know because for the last two years it was just like well shit if you don't move on from hb you're going to lose them for nothing in a year and a half or you're going to lose them for nothing in two years like and that felt inevitable but to be honest right now like i think we said it on on return of the roar or I said it on Return of the roar that like, I don't think that it's a guarantee that he walks anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I think an extension is within the realm of possibility. I think he could re up at the end of this year. Um, and there's a chance that like, what if you make the six seed, but then an HB is a big part of that, but then he walks at the end of the year. Is that worth it? You know what I mean? Like it might be.
1: Yeah, There's I mean, totally an, an and outcome this, where he walks the conversation. This is this right. is like this is the rabbit hole that you can fall into because
0: and he's the most complicated conversation.
1: He is. Absolutely. And and my pushback to to what you said there would be. Is it and this is, again, what we talked about on the podcast the other day? Is it a good thing for this team if you do extend Harrison Barnes? Is that in the team's long term best interest?
0: It it is. Okay, so what is the downside?
1: Is that, and and this is, it's just that you're hamstringing yourself. Again, like you're handcuffing yourself to Harrison Barnes. Depending on how much you end up paying him, you are then saying, let's say you pay him $15 million a year. I think that that's starter money. I think that that means that you are not going to allocate any more money to trying to get better at that position. And like I said the other day, I just think that it's too important of a position to not necessarily punt on but just be like I'm okay being okay at that position.
0: Yeah. That you could go try and get a Kyle Kuzma or a Jeremy Grant. Like however yeah. you feel about those type of guys, but you could try something else.
1: That was that's what I was trying to say also the other day on the podcast with my analogy is like instead of taking the solid hard hat guy that gives you the same thing on a night-to-night basis which Harrison Barnes honestly does not but you know when when things are good you know what you're going to get from him I would much rather take a risk on a guy who like Malik Monk where it's like oh like he could either go this way or he can go that way and I'm kind of banking Kyle Kuzma I think is a good example of this where people have this negative connotation of Kyle Kuzma in their mind when it's like this is a 20 point a game scorer and he's 24 years old. Like, how are you going to tell me regardless of what you think of his mentality, which you honestly don't know about. Cause I guarantee nobody's following the wizards every day. Like, how do you not want to take a risk on that kind of talent and potential over? I mean, <laughs> honestly, I th- I think Harrison Barnes is a 28 year old veteran who really hasn't improved much in his last two to three years like he should be entering he should kind of be peaking right now kuzma is 27 that is a good point but um yeah he i forget that he did stay three years in college um i just feel like harrison hasn't improved in 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 a couple years and it feels like at the age of 30 he's kind of more flattening than going up yeah and
0: and i think there's just two sides you know like it's tough because while it's like just taking a risk could go two ways, obviously, right? But, like, I understand wanting to take that. Um, It just depends on, like, how they feel about the potential internal growth of Keegan Murray, Kevin Herter, right. of Malik Monk. Because if you feel like those guys can take a jump, then, like, it might be safer to just go with what you know already with HB than mm. to try and input a Kuzma. And maybe he does have an ego that gets in the way, you know, like, and I don't know shit about Kuzma's uh, personality, but like, I'm just, I'm just using him as an example. You know, I could say the same thing about Jeremy Grant, who's talked about like wanting more touches in different Mm -hmm. places, you know, like, but maybe you bring somebody in and maybe they fuck with the chemistry. That's so good right now. Mm -hmm. And you don't know, but maybe they come in and then take this team up to like, kind of what we saw with, with um the. Um, Jesus Christ, the Denver Nuggets of like they took a risk on Michael Porter Jr., for example, mm-hmm. and that's a different like that wasn't necessarily they had to let somebody go in order to do that. Um, But you take a risk and then from there it ends up paying off more long term. Like mm-hmm. I get what you're saying, and I honestly don't know where I land on it. Um, But I will say when it comes down to it, I wouldn't be surprised if HB was here. I wouldn't be surprised if he was gone. But I'm kind of at the point where whatever move the front office decides to make, Monty McNair, Wes Wilcox, and I think that obviously, well, Vivek Ranadive will be very involved, but also Mike Brown will be very involved. Whatever decision those guys come up with, I'm kind of at the point where I'm going to just trust it. Are you the same? No. No, (laughs) no. And that's and that's fair because it's literally been one good offseason, right?
1: I think that this is no, I trust Monty. I do think Monty's a really smart mind. It's just with this. I think this HB situation is just it's just so tough because I do think that the person side of this plays a really big role. And I think that it's just tough to overlook harrison barnes as the glue guy and again like i think monty's not dumb and i think it's just too big of a risk to to play without him and you know the thing is i'm acting like extending him is the end-all be-all and that's the end of this conversation if you extend him you can still have him as a trade piece like you can revisit if the next guy becomes unhappy you have Harrison Barnes as a good trade piece to to move for that guy. You know, the Kings really don't have many people that they can make another move for. You know, if they wanted to get a third guy next to Fox and Sabonis, they don't have anyone to get that deal done except for their young players. Uh, and, and HB is can be that piece that is a movable, tradable piece uh, in the future too. It doesn't have to be right now. It's just, you yeah. know, right now it feels immediate if they want to win. You know, if yeah. they want to secure this winning.
0: I think Meg has a decent question of like, who gives up a ton of stuff for expiring contracts um, historically. Yeah. And, teams. I yeah. And, and I don't know, historically or teams that are just trying to test Had it franchise, you know, actually. like Cleveland, for example, where it's like, Oh, we want to just see like, do we want to offer this guy money? So let's just trade for him now. We'll give you all Karis Levert or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe Karis is a better player who's younger. And Domas has a previous relationship with, he could tell you about Karis. Um, I don't know how I feel specifically about that deal, but like, and and I can't think of things off the top of my head, but like, I think that that's an example of like maybe the way that this could sort of go, and I, and I think what it really comes down to is like,
1: yeah. are you
0: worried about losing him for nothing? And yeah. I don't know the answer to that.
1: I think to answer Meg's question of who gives up stuff traditionally, it's usually, I mean, it it it's more commonplace recently only because. We've gone through this period of superstars asking out, asking out of their team. And that's kind of where a player like Harrison Barnes would come in extreme value because he's that expiring contract. And presumably, if you're trading a really good player, they make a lot of money. And Harrison Barnes would be a good filler. And, you know, you could sell him as, yeah, you trade LeBron and then you get. This huge eighteen million dollars off of your book, so that that's usually how it would happen. It's just we're unfortunately, of course, very Kingsy. Uh, when the Kings finally are ready to make a move like that, there's nobody who wants to find a new home.
0: Right, and I, I do think you have a great point of just like the opportunity cost of his money being on the books. Um, I haven't looked at the exact, or not haven't looked at. I am not great at the salary cap, and at some point I need to get <laughs> it's better so at tough, this. Bro. Oh, it's, it's so tough. There's so many. Like I, I could sit here and lay out all the numbers. And you could look at Spotrac and it tells you expected. Right. Um, and I'm just like, dude, I do not know that I can trust these. And I'm certainly not trying to talk about it as if these are 100 percent accurate. I don't know. But my impression is that if considering that Terrence Davis has their expiring four million, Chimezie Metu's expiring 1.9, Trey Lyles expiring 2.6, Alex Len expiring 2.9. Harrison Barnes expiring 18.4. Um, Matthew Della Vadova expiring 2.6. Like all that money coming off the books. I'd imagine that the Kings would have an opportunity to have some cap spaces this offseason. And if you can get a Jeremy Grant, for example, like I'm taking Jeremy Grant over Harrison Barnes. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a hot take. Kyle Kuzma. It's a consideration. I think it's kind of the conversation we've been having here. It's a risk that either could pay off or could come back to bite you in the ass. Like, I think there's a handful of guys like I would throw money at PJ Washington. That's a young guy. Like um, Cam Johnson is another guy, restricted free agency. Like some people really like him. So I think it's interesting. Um, Yeah, I, I think that's. The end of the Harrison Barnes conversation, at yes, least for me. Yes. I don't know if you have anything else. No, I um, think we
1: spent enough time on it.
0: Yeah, and it makes sense why that's the longest conversation. I, I think he yeah. deserves to be. Um, is there anybody else in this coin flip?
1: or are we? No, at that's it. That we are guys? at the surprise now. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which so, we've talked about already. Would be surprised if they're not traded. We mentioned Rashawn Holmes, who has three years, $36 million remaining in that final year is a $12.9 million player option. He's going to pick up that player option, barring yeah. some outlier bullshit. Is there anybody else in that category for you? Nope. Same, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the question with Rashawn is that like my only question, the only way that I could see him not being traded is if nobody was interested. Yeah. Which seems like a real possibility in a way, no?
1: At yeah. At that price, at least. I think that's the thing is his contract is that of which kind of like what I was talking about with Harrison earlier, where it's like you pay him $11 million for a center. It's kind of starter money or, or it's high level backup, which he proved to not be earlier in the season. Again, maybe new situation. It'll work out differently for him. But uh, I just think it for, it'd be different if he were playing consistently for the Kings this season, but with him essentially being pulled out of the rotation and making $11 million a year not or $12 million a year, not too many teams are going to jump at the opportunity to give up real assets for something that they're, they, they haven't seen with their own eyes. They have not seen Rashawn Holmes in the past six months be a productive NBA player, somebody who is worth $11 million. So especially if Rashawn is going to be the centerpiece of a trade, I think that we can we can kind of, you know, kiss away that Rashawn Holmes for P.J. Washington kind of deal. You know, I just I don't know why a team would would view Rashawn Holmes in in such high regard anymore.
0: Right. It maybe
1: to. I'm poo pooing too much on it. Maybe we maybe this is a situation where we're too close. And from an outsider perspective, people are just like, oh no, like we'll we'll take the we'll take the risk. I mean, is Rashawn a risk at this point?
0: I mean, he for sure is on this deal, you know, but like when he signed it, I thought that it was a good deal.
1: Right. And that's kind of the
0: conundrum of it. (laughs) They literally signed Alex Len and traded for Tristan Thompson, traded to Lon Wright for Tristan Thompson because they thought that Rashawn Holmes was signing somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is that his agent just fucked up that situation. His agent went out and said that we're expecting to get $20 million a year. Right. Right. And so I think they scared off the Toronto and charlotte yeah. and there was one other one um but scared off those two teams and and whatever the other one is and so they sure. went another options like toronto went and played went and paid chris boucher how much money i'm gonna pull this up Let's real quick out. it was like something not that far off um as spotrack of course decides to low <laughs> slow while i'm waiting on it paid him three years 35 Rashawn has 3 years yeah. 36 remaining exactly. Rashawn I I I think that Rashawn is a better player than Chris Boucher. And I don't feel like I'm crazy for that, but at the same time I'm chuckling because Rashawn can't even break the fucking rotation here. Right. Which I don't understand. Um and it's just it's a weird scenario. I still think that Rashawn is a starting center. I think if anything what we've seen is that He needs to play in a pick and roll heavy offense to optimize his efficiency. But when he does that, man, he's like a top five efficiency on like 14, 13 points a game. And he's flirting with numbers of efficiency that only like Mitchell Robinson and like Rudy Gobert are doing the guys that do nothing but dunk the ball. Like, his I I think that he has that I think that he was a switchable defender I I did feel like his defense was overstated a little bit towards the end of his I think not this year his yes been
1: yes. terrible this year
0: it has and, and it, it's just tough though like I, I will say I I do not understand why like the idea with Chemezi meant is that you could switch everything and you can't use that with Rashawn that doesn't yeah. quite make sense to me because I don't really feel like Mezzi's good at it to be honest mm-hmm. um Not that Rashawn is necessarily good at it, but I don't know. It's a weird situation to me. And then I think that like the Rashawn stuff, like if you're talking PJ Washington as an ideal scenario, like that's when that's why I kind of like put all these guys in in the coin flip category, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you're talking Rashawn Holmes and Trey Lyles, and then the Kings have two second round picks, like they have their own and then Indiana's, right? Which maybe Indiana's doesn't turn out to be as good, but like, I think it's Rashawn plus other shit to get something like I, I think that's where you're at. Or a team is desperate and they really need a center. You know, like I, I think that uh Charlotte is the obvious option. Brooklyn doesn't really have an answer at the center position right now. I don't know if that's Rashawn Holmes, but could you take like uh Seth Curry, who's not getting enough run? Like this is something I talked about in the offseason and was surprised how much that a uh, person that covers Brooklyn was open to that idea. Um, like, I, I think there's teams that could very much use a center. And if they realize a hole there, that maybe that's, you get your opportunity to step in. Um, but I don't know. I, I would expect him to be moved. I would very mm-hmm. much think that the Kings are constantly trying to, mm-hmm. but they're not trying to attach A bunch of things to him just to dump him or anything like that, you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that they are maybe they're willing to not a bunch, but maybe they're willing to attach a Trey Lyles and a second round pick just to take back an expiring contract just to clear up cap space. Because then, if him and HB walk, all of a sudden that's 12, uh, 30 million dollars off your books plus all this other. Expirings that are probably at least another five to ten million. And then you're talking about a lot of money. So like maybe that's the case, but mm-hmm. he, he seems by far like the most obvious candidate to move to be moved yeah. on from. Yeah. 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 That that's definitely where I'm at. So like I said, we, we aren't gonna specifically talk about other names. Um, I I just haven't gotten the time to really go through all that and feel like I have a great uh grasp on all these other skill sets and guys around the league. Like at some point we'll take a Q and a from everyone in here and, and maybe just give general ideas on some different names. But when it comes to the archetypes that you Mm -hmm. think that the Kings need, what stands out to you as the holes on this roster that you'd like to fill?
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely length length in defensive uh, you know, a defensive forward player, you know, like, and I mean that positionally and, you know, defensive minded as well. And they have to be able to shoot. I mean, I think it's clear that if you're going to be on the offense, or, or going to be on the floor with Domas and or Fox, like you're, you're going to have to be a, a shooter because you're not talking not, KZ Akpala. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or else KZ Akpala would fit perfectly. And I think they kind of tipped their hand a little bit with, you know, starting KZ at the start of uh, this season. And we saw, uh, the Kings experiment with trying to start Mo Harkless for a period of time last season, I think that it's clear that this, that they just, they, they very much lack that piece, a, someone that they can throw on Paul George and, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo and, and Pascal Siakam and guys like that, where it's, you know, they, they they either have Keegan Murray or Harrison Barnes to throw on them at the moment. And I just think that they, uh, they could really use somebody with definite length and, uh, and some defensive dogness, because I also do think that they do need like they need that dog on their team. Like they don't really have, you know, they don't need Draymond Green, but they need somebody that I think has a little bit of nasty to them. I don't think this team has a lot of personality or a lot of fuck you, if that makes sense.
0: At least a guy that's like playing a lot, right? Because Davion for sure is that guy, but I don't how think he's much vocal I- though? that that that's a good point i i would i I get that same impression yeah i i get that same impression Uh, (laughs) makes us harrison barnes would be perfect um that's hilarious um and and a damn good point i I laugh because she has a point you know um i am with you that is the most obvious hole right is somebody that can defer defend these wings um because right now it, it is harrison barnes and as much as like, I think he's been good on offense and he's, he hasn't been a liability on defense. He's also not a stopper there. Mm-hmm. And that's really what they need. Th- this team needs somebody that can take on those assignments mm-hmm. and do well. And shout out HB like this. I, I'm not really not trying to go at HB He's one that defense player, the game chain, two games in a row well-deserved. Right. And, and those pictures are the best thing ever, by the way, mm-hmm. like the, the, um, uh, the laser pointers that they oh, give yeah. everyone and everything the in the beam, hearing, right. the locker room chant, light the beam while yeah. whoever is flickering the lights in the background. Yeah. Like those videos are the best thing ever, but they need a wing stopper, you know, like they don't have that right now. And it's hard to find that like,
1: mm-hmm. exactly. Is, and that's the problem, right? I, I have on, there, on my, on my archetype shot creation is a plus. And at that point I was like, yeah, a six nine long defender who can hit threes and maybe create his own shot. <laughs>
0: so, like LeBron, or what are we talking right. here? <laughs> right, like, right. It, it's super tough to find. Right. Well, OG Ananobi. First of all, I'm a huge OG Ananobi yeah. guy. I think Pascal Siakam fits this. Um, like, yeah, he's a little really...
1: bit more big man than than wing, but
0: yeah. If you're really talking just stopper and getting the bare minimum on offense, and I mean by far the bare minimum, like is a Matisse Thibault in addition that's like maybe somewhat interesting, just as like he's better offense than Kaziak Paula. You know what I
1: mean? Is like, he? Is he? Or is his defense so good that it completely negates his offense?
0: That might be. That might be what it is. That might be what soft. it
1: is. It's probably and also more if you have latter. Joel Embiid and, you know, other stars to to hide his. I mean, right. which the Kings you you maybe could argue their offense and we, people have said this offense is not the problem. So it's not, not like, you know, I think they can even afford to lose a little bit of offense. But, uh, you know, you, you would still have to. I think that this defensive, this hypothetical defensive wing would have to be able to shoot at least league average from three, 30, 36% or above from three. I mean, um, to, to be somebody really... I thought about dream. Lou Dorf. I just don't know. I think it has to be a forward. Because then you're, you're moving Kevin Herter up to the three. And, you know, this is presuming that you trade Harrison Barnes in this situation, I guess. But, like, you're running Herter and, and Keegan at your 3-4. That's not really... Much of an answer for you still have a big hole at three or at that long wing position oh he's only six three huh i really thought he was taller no he's very short he's hmm. definitely a guard i mean i've always had a fascination with with robert covington he's kind of yes. you know especially in his prime was the was the peak of this and the i guy feel like Rashawn is so good on that three team. steals and blocks per game
0: like Rashawn is not the primary value obviously in the return of that trade but I always felt like Rashawn was so good on the Clippers
1: yeah (laughs) Um,
0: sure and yeah I mean it's tough I think Jeremy Grant is is a guy that totally stands out to me yeah Um, yeah absolutely I mean like you're not getting dorian finney smith he's the guy that yeah. like actually is a good fit alongside luca but that i think that's like the yeah. type of guy exactly that we're talking about exactly um andrew wiggins what he is now is the type yeah. of guy we're talking about um herb jones yes it, it, if there's other people if there's anyone in the chat that can think of yeah of more guys uh definitely let us know like is is Patrick Williams somebody that can evolve into that is DeAndre Hunter somebody that can evolve into that those are two like total risks right you know but like those are two teams that probably would be interested in HP I don't know where Chicago's Mm -hmm. at but I'd imagine Atlanta's trying to win um and maybe there's something there like maybe Denny Avdia is is that guy I think he's been solid on defense and like maybe he's that type of guy I, I still dream of Franz Wagner every single night. But you know, it oh, fucking is what it that. is. I guess, um, whatever. Just lost the coin flip, but it is what it is. I'm over it. Not salty at all. Um, totally chilling. the uh, The other position that very much stands out to me, and this is an easier guy to acquire, meaning that I would very much be expecting to spend a lot less. Is just rim protection from your backup five
1: mm-hmm.
0: and to the point where sometimes that you're not trying to put on um th- that sometimes maybe Sabonis is playing a little bit less because your backup five's rim protection is really valuable or maybe that you like feel like you can play Domos at the four I don't really see that happening like I think mm-hmm. that with the style of this team I really doubt that happens but I think that like upgrading your backup five could have a decent impact on this team like Nerland's Noel is somebody that is kind of interesting to me. I do think he's a good rim protector. I don't think that he's just like bad. And that's the reason that um, Detroit isn't playing him. I think that they're just prioritizing youth. Um, I think that Nerland's Noel is somewhat interesting, but I think that rim protection from the back of five is something that I'd be interested in trying to see if you could get. But obviously, I am not spending much to try and do that.
1: Yeah. The ideal person, and I was thinking of this, and I know I'm not trying to shoehorn Kyle Kuzma onto the Kings, but I was thinking... I thought of this when I was thinking of how we can get Kyle Kuzma to the Kings. Uh, I feel like Daniel Gafford is just like the perfect backup center. I I have loved Gafford since he joined the league. I feel like it wouldn't take a lot of assets to get him. I don't think the contracts work out with either Harrison or Rashawn that they can maybe work it out, but... Um, You know, Denny Aviva is another another wizard that you can maybe pull. uh, You can pull in Gafford along with him. Or I saw earlier in the chat, someone mentioned Rui Hachimura. I'm not a big Rui guy at all, but um, all those players, I think, are are or at least, you know, two of those guys I could definitely see Washington being willing to part with just because I feel like Washington is is pretty, pretty much just floating in in nba purgatory right now like they don't really have any pure direction god i can't believe that we get to
0: talk shit on other teams
1: like that now right dude. <laughs> like oh <laughs> hell yes Wait, like, below 500 <laughs> they have no
0: fucking direction dude that team is right. so trash like what is wrong with them like Ooh, it could never is, be what, do, us. what do you
1: think about nas reed as a backup center he has traditionally absolutely fucked the kings in <laughs>
0: I don't think that he's a good defender. I think that he's a very, very good offensive player that can shoot and put the ball on the deck and finish um and has a lot he he just seems like a metu to me in a way. And yeah, I, I think, think he has more I mean, size and physicality. Yeah. yeah, probably a better version. Um
1: a little bit. Not but he he
0: seems much. like a little bit of a metu to me. I think he'd be an upgrade. Um what do you think of Mobamba?
1: Mobamba. I think that's interesting. It's a good risk. Like that's a that's a low risk medium to high reward. Um I think if he can't play on Orlando though, that should probably tell us a little bit of something about how the Mobamba experience has gone. I think right. it's uh you know Mo, Orlando kind of thrives. I they they I mean and I think Bol is a better talent, but uh they they Easily, they were very willing. After years of uh, watching Mo Bamba play, they were very willing to give Bold Bull Bull uh, all the opportunity. Where it felt like for a while, uh, they they definitely tried Mo Bamba. He got a lot of starts last year, but I think they've given up on that experiment. Yeah, uh, and I think we should as well.
0: <laughs> I am not educated enough on Mo Bamba uh and I think that's going to be a theme throughout the course of probably most of these conversations to be honest like I have general ideas but I don't I I just feel uncomfortable speaking on guys that I'm unsure of you know um and I I think Mo Bamba could be interesting if you're just bringing him in as a backup center like it is what it is like that that's fine Jackson Hayes um the off-court shit is honestly concerning to me because it seems pretty tough, but I'm not. I, I don't. I'm not the most educated on it. Um, but the last thing that the Kings need is another off-court scenario. Um, they just don't need those problems. And, and he doesn't. This is shitty, but it's how professional sports look or works. He doesn't have enough talent to like overlook that shit. Yep. And and not overlook, okay. but to like make you think like, oh well. Just, just beyond that, I guess. Like it, it just yeah. that combined with him not being anything right now makes me not really look in his direction. Um, Wemby, sure, Meg, sure, <laughs> yeah, let's do sure, it. Let's do it. Uh, Larry Nance, I would love a Larry Nance, love and that. I think he's exactly the type of guy we're talking about. I also don't think a team that is genuinely working its way into championship contention is going to yep. consider moving on from Larry Nance.
1: It's a great shout um, though.
0: It is a great shout. That's the exact type of guy that we're talking about. Yep. And if anybody in the chat, I think this is the part where we're going to go to Q&A. This pod yeah. is running way longer than expected, which is just a theme for a fucking podcast that I'm on, apparently. Yeah. Um. But if anybody <laughs> in the chat has any questions, whether that be shouts of names or general questions, whether that general, be about the league, about the NBA, question. and you could throw it about anything then go ahead and and let us know because also yeah i don't give a shit i might be wearing the same socks i don't give a damn um (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking of recording with frank earlier this year or this year i mean definitely this year but earlier this week and it didn't end up working out which is definitely on me not on frank shout out to frank um but it didn't end up working out but i did field a few questions when we thought that was going to happen on twitter so we'll go through this Mm -hmm. a little bit yeah um Chris at Pocket mm. Janitor on Twitter asked uh, our thoughts on the SZA album. Have you happened to listen to the SZA album? <laughs> no, Chris. I'm so washed. No, so but I heard. I've I will heard tell you, it's so fucking good. It. It's so. That's what I've heard. Good. And That's typically, to be blunt, I honestly can't listen to female artists that much because where I enjoy my music is singing along, rapping along, whatever it is. And obviously that's tough for me when it's female artists. You know what I mean? And that's no hate on that. But that's where I get my enjoyment in music. But this is album hits, bro. It is so good. So trust me on that. That is very good. And I promise most of these are are, uh, basketball questions. But um, Malik Monk can pass and shoot. Any chance he might eventually develop enough to play point guard? And this is from Bruv on Twitter at Opinionator49. Um, if Davion has moved on from is Malik monk, just your backup point guard. Like if you're left in a scenario where that happens, are you comfortable with him being your backup point guard?
1: Yeah, I was honestly thinking about that earlier today. And I think I'm fully at that point where it's just like, he, he has all of the skills of a point guard. Like he's definitely not who you want as your primary ball handler. Absolutely not. But he's really their third string ball. Like he, he, He's not going to have the ball more than Fox. He's not going to have the ball more than Sabonis. Like the offense literally will run through Sabonis. It's not like I think the only time you really need to think about Malik in the point guard, traditional point guard role, would be kind of just in pick and roll as the lead pick and roll ball handler. I don't think they're really going to run too much like half court offense through Malik Monk kind of just like a, a a more extended version of what we saw tonight I mean Malik was incredible tonight again especially uh moving the ball around I think he had six assists tonight um he's he can absolutely play patchwork backup point guard yeah
0: did you just drop some shit I did
1: I definitely dropped a sharpie. <laughs>
0: He played it off really well though, so my bad for calling you out. No, I was just uh, fiddling.
1: I have to have something <laughs> in my hands at all times.
0: No, I'm I'm definitely the same. I'm definitely the same. I'm very comfortable with Malik as a backup point guard. I never would have thought that had been the case. Never. Um but if something were to happen to Davion like which was the case tonight, he's got a non-covid related illness, like I think that you could play him at the at the backup point guard. They obviously went with Delhi, but I think that if you're running out um Malik with herder and say Sabonis, like that's enough playmaking all you need right there i'm not really yeah. worried about another point guard um we'll go to a little bit from the chat here uh before i move on to the next things on twitter uh can we make a bo- move for bobon just for fun um only if we bring yeah. tobias harris as well toby and uh, bobby exactly plumley and washington for Rashawn and the second rounder um just feels like something in my mind that it, nope. I mean, from Sacramento's point of view, sure. I just don't know that that's something that Charlotte does.
1: Can I just say, hold on? Uh, I was looking at clutch stats earlier today. I was uh, doing some mm-hmm. research for my show. I saw your tweet. Um, this man is it, Miles Plumley, Mason Plum? I think it's Mason Plumley, correct? Oh, it's definitely Mason. Not yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, hey man I, don't oh, know, I, man,
0: I was thinking of a different Miles. I'm not gonna lie. I got uh, thrown off for a second there.
1: This man Miles Plumley Mason which Mason, Mason Mason I know we just Mason. went over This, this man Mason Plumley <laughs> is ridiculous in the clutch in terms of rebounding his rebounding stats astounding to me in 69 nice uh clutch time nice. minutes which is clutch is defined as five point game with five minutes or less in the game <laughs> Mason okay. Plumley 17 offensive rebounds, 16 defensive wow. rebounds, 33 total rebounding rebounds, leading the NBA in clutch rebounds, uh, total clutch rebounds, bro. Just, I, I, I looked I don't up Mason Plumley with that information, but like, wow, well, Clearly we should trade for
0: him, obviously. Man. Not we, my bad, my bad. The Kings should trade for come him, on, come on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah, wait, yeah. Get, I gotta get my shit straight. So I looked up Mason Plumley on basketball reference. Mm-hmm. This is a fucking amazing nickname.
1: Plum Dog Millionaire. Plum Dog Millionaire. Yes, sir. That is so
0: good, bro. So good. Uh just joined, but you are but did you already talk about gentry being at the OKC Minnesota game? I did not see that. No, um, I did not see that. And I don't really know what to make of that, but I'm not gonna overreact to uh that guy being at any sort of games. um, Alvin Gentry is, well, no, Alvin Gentry is just like a fiend for sports, bro. Like that guy is in love with sports. He's also like the nicest person ever. Alvin Gentry will say what's up just like passing in passing. And he's always talking about like some random sport thing that I did <laughs> not keep up with, but I just like try to bullshit like I watched yeah. it. Um, And it's honestly because I only watch basketball and he's, on, and he's talking about, some other sport that's like super relevant, like game yeah. recently that I probably should know, but that dude is in love with sports. Um yeah. Understandably. So Uh how do we feel about Keegan at the four so far? It seems like his defense is steadily improving. Mm-hmm. I don't really have any strong feelings about Keegan, like compared to the four or the three, to be honest. And I don't even know that I feel like the four or three are that different of a position in today's NBA. I kind of feel like they're the same.
1: Yeah, that part. Definitely. It definitely feels like there's the same, also, it's. I think he's benefited a lot by having Harrison next to him who is pretty much the same size and build as him where it's like he doesn't have to guard. There's not like a, oh, okay, Keegan, you're definitely getting that guy. It's all pretty switchable. Right. I think that has, has, uh, has helped Keegan a lot along the way. But right. I, I definitely think he has not been a turnstile. He has not been abused. I think we've seen Kevin Herter has been sought out defensively. I haven't seen... Uh, teams really, you know, eye Keegan Murray down, which is a good start. I have not either. I've seen some teams try
0: and it's gone okay. I think like New York was probably the worst example. Um, mm-hmm. but no, it hasn't been bad. I have not seen Die Hard yet. Chris, have you seen Die Hard and is it a Christmas movie? Uh,
1: I just had this conversation with one of our board ops who's like huge into movies. Um, I've not seen Die Hard, but he explained to me that what makes Die Hard a Christmas movie is that it is about a guy trying, at its root, it's a guy trying to get home to his family for Christmas. And obviously, I guess like in just
0: fucking killing characters. anyone in his way. Yeah, or whatever. So I guess like,
1: that's where the debate of like, it's not a Christmas movie is. It has nothing directly to do with Christmas because it's a bunch of murdering. I don't fucking know what the hell. I assume in Die Hard, a lot of people die. Uh <laughs> Me too. But, me too. Yeah. Uh At its root, I guess it's a guy trying to get to his family on Christmas. So that makes it a Christmas movie. So I will take uh, Christopher Lods. Logic. I don't know if it makes it a Christmas movie, but we'll take it. Um
0: further on the music question, I guess. Somebody asked what music is mostly played during practices, because I guess it was talked about how the Grizzlies play NBA Youngboy non-stop, which by oh, the way, we of do not force the Youngboy. Grizzlies play NBA right. young boy Like that is the most fitting thing ever. Yeah. Um, let me know what comes to mind. I know the other day that the Carter three was shuffled through a bunch. Mm-hmm. There's a decent amount of Wayne. I hear Lil Baby an okay amount. I hear Jay-Z
1: um, a good amount of times.
0: We have heard Jay-Z. We haven't heard 50 enough for how much he's involved, to be honest. <laughs> right. uh, um, trying not to think what much
1: else. Drake played either. There was a lot of Drake when it was arena.
0: Tyrese because Tyrese was a big Drake right. guy. I know Tyrese used to be on Ox a lot. And Ox, not Hawks, by the way, for what it's worth. Right um but tyrese used to be on ox a lot and i think he was a big drake guy from what i could tell um but yeah it's a lot of like modern shit there is some like young boy mixed in i guess um but no it seems like a lot of just typical stuff like Hmm. i don't know just little baby wayne uh yeah
1: nothing nothing too crazy i don't know is there anything else that comes to mind of like typical music that's there, no, not really. Nothing's coming to mind. It's all yeah. Usually, I'm more just like I need this music turned down because my mic can't pick <laughs> up the audio of Nimi Keda freaking mumbling. Right, right. Or or Kazi Akpala
0: just oh yeah. Giving two word answers. Yeah. yeah. uh Somebody said non basketball related. This is Andrew Sterling on Twitter at Andrew S two six eight seven. Non basketball related. Um, Have you heard of any rookie hazing slash pranks going on? Um, oh, my home? God. Yeah, you have.
1: Yeah, uh, they just uh, Malik Monk was I sent it to you. Malik Monk uh, was on the Bill Simmons podcast and Bill oh, asked get to this uh, Keegan uh, asked Malik about Keegan trying to get some personality out of him. And he asked if they have them doing any rookie duties. And he said that Keon carries the bags, which is just some typical rookie stuff. And keegan on road trips whenever they go on the plane has to come with chick-fil-a which has been a staple for a couple years here
0: yeah and we've seen the pictures of him holding right big bags of food and i assumed it was chick-fil-a because like you said it has been the staple recently um and i will say i know that um malik said at the beginning of the year that he was planning on popcorning chima's car but also like you don't tell you don't tell <laughs> right. media that you're planning on doing right. that.
1: You know what I mean? Right.
0: Um, so in response to this, I at Shima asking him, like, can you confirm or deny if this ever happened? If this ever happened, and he said, Thankfully, nothing yet. Let's keep it that way. So I guess that's where we're gotcha. at. But clearly Malik is the guy. If somebody's going yeah. to do it, it is Malik. Yeah. No questions
1: asked. Yeah. And make it happen, not just like, oh yes. yeah, he should do something. Be like, hey, Rook, like, where's it at?
0: Right, right like yeah no like you're doing this shit get with, get with the program right. um yeah all right bro well i did not mean to keep you this long but i appreciate you doing this
1: you're good uh, before we go yes there's an important question in here who you got in the world cup tomorrow morning
0: argentina because it, when it's i don't sunday. give it's a sunday. shit I'm sorry sunday morning is it sunday that's good to know it's because i had no yeah. fucking clue tomorrow's the uh, third place game when i don't really give a damn about a sport i'm gonna just root mm-hmm. for the goat to watch goat shit happen Right. And so that's why I'm going to go with Argentina. But I do know probably more players on France. Like I'm a big FIFA right. guy. We've definitely right. played FIFA together. And you, yeah, you I not have whooped my time. ass. What the fuck every ever, time. bro? I whoop you at 2K. So watch your mouth. That's not even true. Uh,
1: it is true. Let's hop on it. right now, bro. Let's I swear, swear. That, bro. Yeah, well, at I'm some point, this. we will do this. <laughs> I'm so down. I cannot get right our fingers, after this. Get but here. I. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're about to
0: find out these trigger fingers, bro. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bro. I I am picking Argentina, but for no damn good reason except that Messi's there, and I would love to see goats do goat shit.
1: Right. Uh, it does feel like it is Messi's tournament. It's felt that way for a couple couple rounds now. He's been absolutely ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it's really tough to win World Cup back-to-back events, not years. Uh, I don't know. France is so fucking stacked. It's, yes. It really feels like it should be France's tournament to lose. But Messi, this is like the one thing that's missing from Messi's record. And... It's. I think he's announced that this is going to be his last World Cup. So for him to go out like this, like you say, would be some goat shit. So let's just all hope that it doesn't end on penalties because penalties fucking suck. Agree. Could you it's imagine total bro? Could you imagine if an NBA game?
0: Wait, wait. So didn't Play, we'll we? I think when we played, when we played FIFA, didn't it go to penalties, and we refused to end the game yes. that way? Yeah. So yeah. that we, we just played. ran it back. <laughs> <Right>.
1: <laughs> we just ran back another ninety minutes. Right. Yes.
0: And I think we actually went through like three games before it ended. So I don't know what you're talking about waxing penalties. me. By the way, you need to watch your fucking nah, mouth, bro. That is not what <laughs> happened. It's like, a, not true FIFA at all. Count. But yes, no, like penalties are super whack and just like yeah. a guessing game and absolute bullshit, and that's nobody wants to see a game win that way. So, yeah. So,
1: would it be lit if NBA games ended on free throws or three or like a three-point shootout? Uh, I don't Wouldn't mind the cool?
0: whole like racing to a certain score that I think the G League does okay. now and like we've seen in the All Star yeah, game, right? game, right? But it's hella lame when we have it one ends games? with <laughs> Anthony Davis. <laughs> making a free throw or not anthony davis specifically but somebody making a free throw like that is true i don't know that doesn't quite do it for me it should be like some sort of football thing where like oh if you make a feel if you make a a field goal the other team gets a chance to make a field goal type thing yeah like i don't exactly know how to do this somebody says full court shots i'm so damn like
1: (laughs) might as well yeah half court shot would be lit uh, yeah you know it's a true test of skill it's a true (laughs) test of skill so
0: (laughs) that's where we're at all right man well i appreciate you i appreciate everybody that's been in here um for myself and Chris Watkins of Sackdown Sports 1140. Tomorrow, you got your show
1: between 11 and noon? I do. Yes, it's going to be uh, online-only, digital-exclusive. Uh, we will oh, be shit. airing. Unfortunately, we will be airing the Minnesota Vikings against the uh, India- Indianapolis Colts on our airwaves. So, uh, Oh, bro, bro if just you lose doing...
0: that, like, I don't give a shit about football, but I, will, you will never hear the end of it, bro. Bye.
1: I will not be happy. So you can watch, if uh, if you the can Colts win, reaction.
0: I hope that everybody that is watching this at Chris Watkins because he will be so down bad and just make him feel even worse, please, <laughs> because there's nothing like beating somebody that's already down because their team just lost. Yeah. So I'm I'm a good friend, a good person, yeah. and that's 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 where we're at. So yep. um, <laughs> appreciate everybody in here. Yep. Definitely take a look at the King's Herald. And all the great work by the guys and gals that are a part of that site. And take a look at their Patreon as for local Independence King, Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days. Peace. Peace.